Hello and welcome to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where I talk transportation, anything that gets you from here to there. I am the traffic anchor and the transportation reporter for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. And two things I'm excited about today. Today is episode number 185, which is stunning to me as I am approaching now 200 episodes, which is really quite remarkable. And I'm also excited today as I'm going to be speaking with a guy named Nick Dean. And Nick is an auto insurance expert, as well as the content specialist for the online price comparison website called Insurify. And Insurify says that they use artificial intelligence to make insurance shopping simple, affordable, and hassle-free. They have a couple of recent studies out. One that I found very interesting, and it's about the trends in cost and coverage of auto insurance. And you know how much auto insurance has changed this year with the pandemic and how much driving has changed. And uh, the risk is obviously lower for auto insurance companies because there are fewer people driving. And those people that are driving, typically they're not driving as far. So their risk is lower, but they're still charging the same amount of money, right? They're still charging me the same amount of money. And actually my rates are going up a little bit. Which uh, it kind of bugs me, and then and then to get this, all right. So a lot of companies were giving out uh, some uh, discounts, right? Some kickbacks, if you will, for the people who have been customers uh, during the pandemic. Uh, my my kickback, my my return on my insurance was twenty five dollars a month for a policy that costs nine hundred dollars every six months. <laughs> So that didn't really help me. It was, you know, it was fine. It was nice, but it didn't really help me out a whole lot. Um, It just doesn't seem right that the price for the car insurance keeps going up when everybody's driving less. Anyway, we'll we'll talk to Nick about that as well as a bunch of the other uh, interesting uh, uh, goings on there in the auto insurance industry because it is a... It is a, well, it's it's a pain in the butt. That's what it is, actually. Uh, Insurify also has this interesting study... On the top 10 auto insurance companies that I thought were pretty interesting, there are ones you'll know, and there are others that you probably never heard of. So we'll talk about those lists as well. And if you want those lists, they're actually on the description of this show. You can just click the link, and they're right there. You know, it's it's the nature of my job on TV to report on problem spots when they happen, whether it's a a stalled truck or a a crash or, or whatever happens. Well, I have a pet peeve. And when it comes to especially print reporters, and it can be broadcast reporters, anybody who puts it down in print or, or, or says it, but it's usually in print, when somebody reports on a crash, so many times, especially on these written articles, the writer will make it sound as if the vehicle in a, in a crash does the crashing rather than the driver operating the vehicle doing the crashing. For example, there was this headline. Car leaves scene after hitting several parked cars. A a sentence like that makes it sound like the car did the driving and the crime instead of the driver behind the wheel. Now, it is possible in a Tesla to do that, I suppose, if a Tesla self-driving is doing some really bad self-driving. But we're not there yet. We're not there yet with fully autonomous cars doing the driving for us. It is a... 99% of the time, a person behind the wheel doing the driving. 
doing the crashing, doing the whatever. It's not the vehicle. Well, someone else has a similar problem with this kind of reporting. His name is Carlton Reed, and he's a senior contributor to Forbes magazine in the United Kingdom, and he's been writing about transportation for the last 30 years. And he really focuses on bike advocacy in the UK, but sometimes he writes about other transportation issues. And Carlton wrote an article about some new guidelines. Reporters in the UK, not just traffic people, but, but any reporter, should be using when they're writing about crashes. And I think those guidelines should be instituted here in the United States. We could start with the traffic people, and then we can move on to uh, all the reporters that have to report on crashes or other issues. Uh, and th- this article from Carlton Reed starts like this. From reading some news headlines and ensuing articles, you would be thinking that cars were already self-driving. That from UK journalist Laura Laker, one of the drafters of new guidelines to be issued issued to journalists who write about road traffic crashes. Laura says it's important we remember collisions involve vehicles piloted by people. I could not agree more. That is exactly what my point is. uh, Vehicles are piloted by people. All right, back to this article. Search on Google for reporting of road traffic incidents, and you'll find plenty of examples. Car overturns in crash. Family had a lucky escape after car leaves road and hits tree and country lane. Car leaves scene of crash, then collides with house. The editors who headlined those articles and the journalists who provided the copy neglected to include the person. And this is damaging and wrong, says new expert-led media guidelines, which state that publishers should make mention of human actors in a collision. Crashes have causes, and these causes are invariably due to poor driving, often dangerous driving, yet reporters the world over sometimes steer clear of ascribing actions to humans when the incidents, many of which are either obviously criminal or turn out to be so, involve motorists. There's no reporting about autonomous assault rifles or swords going on solo stabbing sprees, there's always people. Gunmen on rampage. Killer armed with knife tackled by police. The new UK reporting guidelines were drafted by journalists and academics and advised by police, lawyers, and expert groups such as the UK's National Union of Journalists. The guidelines were produced by the University of Westminster's Active Travel Academy, and aim to help journalists, broadcasters, and publishers improve the public debate around road safety. While guidelines already exist for reporting on suicide children and refugees, none specifically guide best practice around reporting on road collisions, continued this statement. Now, this article that uh, is coming from Carlton Reed, senior contributor to Forbes magazine in the United Kingdom, then switches subjects into the debate that I've been talking about for a long time, that a crash is not necessarily an accident. And I'm sure you've heard on radio or TV, everybody says accident. Well, accident implies no intent, but there could be intent on the part of some of the drivers involved in these wrecks. We just don't know. So that's why you don't call them an accident. Well, Carlton Reed continues on that theme in that article. And he says, planes do not slam into the ground accidentally. They crash. However, such language is not always used for road smashes. They are often described as accidents, 
as though no one was at fault. Campaign groups have been lobbying for neutral road incident vocabulary for many years. Crash, not accident, is common mantra. And research published last year demonstrated that the leading language used in media reporting often results in so-called victim blaming. Simple changes to how we talk about crashes can help move the needle on public support for safer streets, said Kelsey Ralph, one of the academics behind the research. In earlier research, Ralph found that new articles about road crashes refer to vehicles in 81% of cases, but refer to a driver in just 19% of the time. In 2016, Associated Press, here in the United States, their style guide, changed the to encourage journalists to use crash, collision, or other terms instead of accident. Good reporting should inform, said John Ranson from the National Union of Journalists Ethics Council, but too much of the media's coverage of road collisions has played into and reinforced lazy generations. The co-chair of the UK Parliamentary Group on Cycling and Walking agreed. Tory MP Celine Saxby says, We have media reporting guidelines for a whole variety of serious societal issues, and so it's important that the road collisions are included. It may seem harmless to speak of vehicles speeding, running red lights, or running people down, thereby implying no human responsibility, but the knock-on effects contribute to an increased danger on our roads and failing through our justice system. Now, before I get to their road collision reporting guidelines that has four different parts, that's actually a really interesting statement here because as I as I've talked about with other guests on the show, they always say that it's the vehicles that are killing everybody. It's it's not the vehicle. It's the person behind the wheel. And usually that person is distracted by their phone most often, by other things as well, but mostly driving and being distracted is what causes most injuries and deaths, unfortunately, with people or bicyclists who are on the road. It's not necessarily the vehicle. Now, they will argue, and we've heard about that on this show, is that the new size of the vehicle and everybody's driving SUVs uh, is... Uh, killing people because of the size of the vehicle. And, and yeah, there is there is something to the shape of a vehicle. I, I did a interview, maybe it was a couple of years ago, uh, from this automotive writer in Detroit talking about just that, about the change in the style of uh, the front end of most vehicles. And most are now flat instead of being more pointed for aerodynamics. And I think most of that is for the sensors for eventual self-driving autonomy uh, so they can see the road better and say, because you can't really have all that equipment in a car that comes to a point. And with a car that comes to a point, though, if you're a pedestrian and you get hit, you actually roll up on the car and up under the hood and the windshield rather than uh, a flat ended uh, vehicle and you get more uh, uh, broadside injuries that way uh, because there are is more size to the vehicle and you get into that crash. So, I thought that was an interesting statement there that um, it isn't, it, it really, it, I mean, it, it is partially the vehicle, but it's the person driving the vehicle that is the problem here. And it always should be thought of as somebody is driving that car and is responsible for operating it and the actions uh, that they do and, and the injuries that they cause. Okay, so the road collision reporting guidelines here from the road from the UK. It has four different parts. Impartiality, 
Publishers must not use the term accident when describing road conditions. Collision or crash are more accurate, especially when the facts of the incident are not known. Discrimination. Publishers must avoid using negative generalizations of road users and must not use dehumanizing language or that which may incite violence or hatred against a road users, uh, road user in comment and news coverage. Accuracy. Coverage of perceived risks on the road should be above all accurate based in fact and content. Publishers should make mention of human actors in collisions and avoid references to personal protective equipment such as high-vis and helmets except when demonstrated relevant. And reporting on crime. Publishers must avoid portraying dangerous or criminal behavior on the road such as speeding as acceptable or those caught breaking the law as victims. So there you go. And I, I think that's pretty interesting, an interesting article. And again, this is from Carlton Reed, who is a senior contributor to Forbes magazine in the United Kingdom. He's been writing about transportation for, he said, 30 years. And he really does focus a lot on bike advocacy and uh, bike safety and that sort of thing. And speaking of, of crashes and wrecks and the like, car insurance is something that we are required to have when owning a vehicle, but it isn't something that we like paying for. I sure don't. Uh, my bill is almost $2,000 a year, and that's for two older cars, and I've shopped around a lot, and that is the least expensive price anywhere I can find. There is an online company, and there's a lot of these companies that will help you find cheaper insurance, they say, and there's one called Insurify. And they help you compare and buy and manage your insurance online. They say they use artificial intelligence to make insurance shopping simple, affordable, and hassle-free. Insurify released a couple of interesting studies lately about car insurance, and I wanted to explore more of it right here. So I've invited insurance expert and Insurify's content specialist, Nick Dean, to be here on the show. Nick, thanks for being here on the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me, Jason. Really appreciate it. All right, Nick. Before we talk about that top 10 list, that study that looks at the top 10 insurance companies, I want to get into this study that Insurify put out that covers trends in cost and coverage in the auto insurance industry. And I think we have to start with COVID and the time since the lockdown. I would think that insurance companies overall have made out pretty well over the last seven or eight months with fewer drivers on the road, fewer crashes that they have to cover, but charging the same rates. Absolutely. Well, you brought up that uh, ensuring the American Driver Report, and that's something we're really excited about. We've just released it this past month, and what we're really analyzing here was actually pretty much inspired by the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, working in the uh, you know car insurance and property and casualty insurance space like we do here at Insurify, we were really interested to see how the pandemic actually affected um, insurance rates, you know, for the consumer. Now, like you said, you know, you can imagine that uh, the auto insurance industry in particular has uh, made a killing here. But we were trying to find out, you know, to what extent did that relief actually come to consumers? Um, as you can imagine, you know, our analysis found that, yes, you know, driving behavior changed as a result of this national, uh, you know, lockdown, if you want to call it. Uh, for the most part, you know, driving behaviors changed in that people were driving a lot less. We saw that there was a 28% decrease in number of miles driven uh, from uh, March through May um, as compared to 2019. Now, at the same time, uh, you know, 
lots of different companies in the auto in, uh, insurance industry were responding differently and trying to figure out what to do with maybe the surplus revenue as a result of the um, much lower rates of driving. So we found that actually 57% of companies ended up providing some form of payment relief, um, which is great for the consumer. Generally, this took the form of a credit or a refund or a rebate um, or a discount of the policyholder's monthly payment. However, we only found that 10% of these relief measures continued past the month of May or June. So I, it's, it's my educated guess here that the insurance industry wasn't necessarily expecting uh, COVID to be raging as long as it has. Yeah, I, um, they, I they, think... they did offer, as, uh, to get to your point there, they, they offered me a rebate. I got back, get this, $25 a month for a couple of months. That's only about 2% of the cost of my policy. And while it was you know, a nice gesture, it, it didn't really help. 25 bucks doesn't really <laughs> help for a policy that's uh, over $900 every six months. Absolutely. And, you know, we found through our analysis that the overall uh, credit that was given back to policyholders in this period amounted to about 10 to 30 percent of the policyholders' uh, monthly payment. So, you know, not huge considering if you're someone who totally stopped driving over these many months or someone who, you know, had their car in storage this entire time and didn't engage in any sort of risky driver behavior, this might be a perfect period for, you know, policyholders, you'd think, to um, you know, uh, set up a new policy outright for their previous insurance, um, try to find, you know, and squeeze out as many discounts or rebates as, as they possibly can. And, you know, some consumers were able to do that and were able to save year over year whether they tried or not. However, um, you know, we're finding now that most consumers just simply don't know, um, you know, what the future holds in terms of their driving patterns behaviors. And we're not positive the insurance industry, given the fact that they've put a moratorium on a lot of these rebate programs, is ready to see this thing through. You know, we don't know how long the pandemic, uh, you know, might be raging. There's a lot of different factors in place right now that's going to affect how, you know, how drivers are, you know, uh, behaving across the country, whether that's, you know, stopping commuting altogether or having to, you know, get rid of cars or having, you know, now having the funds to buy more cars. Um, it, it's a real question mark. And, uh, you know, we're not sure how the industry is necessarily going to respond. But what we do know is that, you know, drivers now more than ever, I think, should feel empowered to sort of take their insurance decisions into their own hands, right? We're staying at home. We not depending on the state of your community. You might not have access right now to a brick and mortar agency. You might not have the, uh, you know, freedom right now to, uh, you know, take advantage of, um, many sort of new opportunities to save as you might have before. Insurance is one of those, uh, you know, monthly bills, monthly payments that we don't necessarily think about all the time. We don't think on a month-to-month -month or quarter-to-quarter -quarter basis how we can shave, the, the, you know, 10%, uh, 20%, 50% off of our premiums. Um, it's just something we sort of take for granted right now. And so the purpose of this report was trying to cut through that noise and tell consumers, wait a second, you might stand to save some more. I'm speaking to Nick Dean. He is a insurance expert with Insurify. We're talking trends and cost of coverage of auto insurance. I, I during this whole time, Nick, a couple of months ago, I thought because I was working from home uh, just in the last week, I, I'm back down in, in the office downtown, so I'm driving a little bit more than I was uh, during uh, the shutdown and working from home. 
but I was trying to find a discount with my insurance company, which is eSurance, uh, a mileage discount. I was going through all the different comparisons. I went with, uh, I, I, I tried to compare my uh, insurance online with other companies and, and say, well, look, I'm only driving maybe a couple of miles a day, if that, maybe less than 10 a week now, because I'm just going to the grocery store and back for the most part. But that didn't really help my price at all. And it was really not even a, a, a place in that uh, policy questions to to ask, hey, how, how much are you driving? I mean, what other factors affect your policy price, like how many miles you're driving? Yeah, well, you know, in a perfect world, right, and a lot of people think this way, your driver behavior would be the primary, if not the sole determinant of your policy price. But the fact of the matter is, it's industry conventions who take a lot more variables into account. Um, so your overall premium and the rates that you get are going to be affected by, you know, your, your location, your zip code. Um, but they're also going to be affected, depending on the state, by demographic things you can't control, your age, your, um, your sex or gender. Um, and, you know, the, the, the financial dimensions come into it as well, of course. You know, your credit score and credit history um, are going to impact uh, your rates because, depending on, you know, your, your overall credit history, uh, insurers are going to see you as a risky investment or they're going to see you as, um, you know, uh, unfit to uh, pay out um, in, the, in the event of an accident. Um, you know, and you talked just now about, you know, trying to sniff out some discounts. You know, it really depends on the company, but discounts are legion. You know, if you want to get your billing statements paperless instead of uh, through the mail, that makes you eligible for a small discount at many insurance companies. Um, but there are other sort of factors that go into it. If you can take advantage of a home ownership discount, um, um, you know, um, a married discount as opposed to single, um, you know, you can even uh, earn discounts for being part of certain professional organizations or merely for having a BA as opposed to an associate's degree, right? All these factors come together in terms of um, how insurers use their sophisticated algorithms to set rates for drivers. I know, and I'm looking at the level of education uh, costs, and uh, uh, it says none on your list here is about $1,400, $1,450 a month. And then if you have a high school diploma, it jumps up. If you have a associate's degree, it goes down. If you have a bachelor's degree, it goes down further. But then if you have a master's degree, it jumps up. What, <laughs> it seems like if you have more education, that it should continue to go down and not jump up because you have a level of degree higher than a bachelor's. It's really interesting. And, and it's, it's, it's really complicated how each company sets its rates, um, you know, how it's able to leverage its own financial strength or size or reputation um, in order to set lower or higher rates and market to and serve different types of drivers as well. You know, at Insurify, we are all about serving um, people all across the country. You know, you should be able to compare insurance quotes in your own terms, regardless of how high your credit score is, or whether or not you had one accident or zero accidents or five accidents in the past seven years on your record. What I think is interesting, what you're articulating here, is that all these nuances and how rates can shift up or down depending on you know, these factors that a lot of us can't necessarily control easily, is that, you know, at the end of the day, these are sort of systemic and mutually constitutive sort of variables. Um, one really interesting point that we found in our latest analysis was that um, cities and towns with majority black residents, for example, um, are, see the highest uh, quote prices for car insurance um, compared to cities of any other racial makeup. 
Um, now, as it means, you know, if you're living in that zip code because insurance companies in many states can still discriminate based on zip code level, um, you know, you can find yourself um, facing slightly higher rates just by virtue of the fact that you live in a majority black neighborhood, majority black city. Um, you know, regardless of the personal, um, you know, factors that should go into your rate as well, you know, your credit score, um, your driving record. So it's, it's fascinating to see how all of these variables sort of combine and ultimately paint a picture that is, is, is not the fairest for a lot of people in this country. Um, so it's, it's interesting to see, um, in, so far as the pandemic really laid bare inequality, you know, how can people, upon realizing uh, these inequalities that are inherent in a, in a system like uh, the auto insurance industry, can they recognize that and can they take advantage of that and can they demand better from their insurance company, demand better for themselves for the sake of their wallet? interesting question. Yeah. I'm speaking with Insurify's content specialist, Nick Dean. We're talking about talking uh, trends in cost and coverage of auto insurance. You can find this on their web sh- uh, website at insurify.com. The importance of location is something that you just mentioned. Like here in Colorado, we see a lot of hail. We also see some fires, as you've heard about. Uh, in the southeast, they've seen way too many hurricanes this year than in, in previous years. Mm-hmm. And obviously in California, they've had a lot of wildfires. In different places, you're going to have, uh, I guess, different costs depending on uh, what natural disasters or other issues you might have in that particular location. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, regional variations in something like climate, for example, right, weather patterns, um, you know, that's naturally factored into how insurers are going to be setting rates. Um, And, you know, if you're a policyholder in any of these areas, you know, whether it's Colorado seeing a lot of hail or or the southeast where you can imagine, you know, you're susceptible to more hurricane damage, you know, you as a consumer probably, you know, have to be at some level prepared for that on a practical level. Um, you know, we see this playing out in the home insurance market, especially. Look at California in the midst of these, uh, you know, uh, unprecedented wildfires. Um, we know that the home insurance market is, you know, ringing the alarm bells right now. Uh, the, the entire real estate space is, um, you know, facing a real existential crisis in that area. And that's because there are, you know, inherent sort of um, dangers in, you know, owning a home uh, in that you know, sort of area of California. Now, you know, how does that affect all of your property, all of your assets, you know, cars and vehicles included? Um, that's going to bear out in the insurance rates for which you're eligible, um, you know, and it doesn't matter uh, necessarily which company is setting that rates or how many quotes you're comparing. That's probably going to be taken into account. So definitely location is a factor. Um, you know, who knows, maybe golf ball-sized hail, you know, could strike tomorrow and uh, hit a bunch of windshields across Denver. You know, I'm not sure. And that's the, uh, that's the level of risk that insurance companies say you're implicitly taking on by living in that area. But what do you think civil unrest might be a new category for insurance companies in the towns that we've seen that? You know, it is something that we've been investigating. And, you know, overall, we don't have the hard numbers on that. But I think it's very much on top of mind. Uh, for, for, you know, lots of drivers out there, um, you know, uh, you know, not just acts of God anymore. We have to take into account, you know, like you said, civil unrest, protests, things like that, you know, is my property at risk? Um, you know, 
in, inherently, uh, this is uh, a question that I'm sure uh, insurance companies are thinking about a lot, um, you know, across the country as uh, we see an uptick in, in what's called, you know, what we consider civil unrest. Um, and, you know, it's probably going to be reflected in how insurers set rates based, like I said before, on that zip code level. Um, you know, urban areas uh, present their own challenges for drivers in a way that rural areas don't, and vice versa, too. So I think the uh, interesting factor that we're probably going to look into in 2021 in our next version of this report is, you know, did insurance companies take a more or less uh, problematic, discriminatory, or in any case, more nuanced view of how civil unrest rates, right, onto zip codes, you know, as you would map crime rates onto a zip code, if that had any bearing on how, you know, they made decisions to, um, you know, set rates for certain drivers. You know, at the end of the day, many people aren't driving anymore. At the same time, many people don't have a place to store their cars. So if people are taking much more advantage of, um, you know, uh, municipal street parking or something like that, or they don't have a safe place to store their, their property, you know, you are, you are presenting another risk to yourself. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, insurance companies, they, they feed on that risk. I'm speaking with uh, Nick Dean. He is Insurify's content specialist, and we're talking about on Insurify.com. They're insuring the American Driver Report. You can read it right now on Insurify.com. I also have the link uh, here at the bottom of the show if you want to just click there, and then you can get right to that uh, to that report. How important, Nick, is the driving record? You always hear about, hey, I'm going to get a ticket for whatever, speeding ticket, and and see my rates jump. Are, are they really going to jump that high if you do get a ticket for speeding or for failure to turn uh, your turn signal on? It's a good question. You know, it's really at the end of the day about the severity of the offense, right? Um, you know, so many uh, insurance companies out there have built-in accident forgiveness policies, for example, for which many drivers qualify, um, which actually, uh, you know, uh, allows for drivers not to uh, see a rate hike as a result of getting in their first at-fault accident. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you're right. It is about this, uh, you know, you are going to see rates increase. Like I said before, it's about the severity of the offense, but... You know, um, if you get a, a ticket from a traffic cop, you know, that's going to go on your record, and that's going to have some sort of material change in your overall rates. Now, is uh, one speeding ticket in a snooze area the same as, obviously, you know, getting cited for driving while impaired or driving under the influence? No, of course not. But um, at the same time, you know, insurance companies are, you know, doggedly following and integrated with your driver history. So whether or not you are even in an at-fault accident, you know, if you are somehow involved in an accident that's not your fault, but your insurance company on some level has to get involved because you're the insured party, you know, you are going to see a little bit uptick in rate. Now, uh, you know, convention is that any offenses that go beyond the past seven years are basically scrubbed from your driving record and no longer have an impact on your policy. But, you know, at the end of the day, that is one of the uh, really factors in terms of setting rates is your driver history. Like I said before, ideally it would be the only determinant because I'd rather be judged on my driver behavior. I think I deserve it if I'm a speeder who uh, you know, got caught a year or two ago than the fact that I happen to identify as a man and because of that I have to pay an average of 4 to 6% higher 
than, um, you know, my colleague who identifies as a woman. So, um, yeah, driver behavior is a primary determinant. And, um, you know, in, in most states across the country, it's increasingly becoming the most important determinant in setting rates. And before we jump into the top 10 list of best insurance companies, what about this trend in cost overall? Do you see as more people are hitting the roads, more people are going to go back to the office? Do you see the increase continuing into 2021 and we're going to see higher prices uh, for the foreseeable future? It's a great question. You know, our, our initial analysis here in our in our latest report, um, we predict that, you know, monthly payments are projected to rise by 6% in the next year. Now, this is mostly, you can just chalk it up to inflation after all. You know, it, in, it continues a trend of year-over-year cost increases that we've been seeing for the past several years. Um, you know, but the, really the question is, and I think you're hinting that in your question, right, has 2020 changed this pattern? So far, it doesn't look like insurance providers are indicating that the trend is going to discontinue. Um, it looks like they're going to continue to raise rates and not adjust costs, um, even in the face of less driving and fewer claims. And that's just because of the unpredictability and uncertainty of how the pandemic is going to you know, affect driver behavior. What's interesting on the personal level for lots of drivers is, well, you know, I am, I'm not going to go back to the office maybe in the next six months to a year. I'm not going to be commuting at all. And the, you know, my uh, risk level implicitly will be dropping because of that. So there's two things. It's A, how's the industry going to respond? Are they going to be honest about the fact that, um, you know, driving rates, total miles driven have plummeted and are they going to respond in kind? And then parallel to that, how are drivers going to understand how their driving habits are necessarily to change or not in the next six months? You know, we recommend that um, drivers compare their uh, compare car insurance quotes online at least every six months, regardless of whether you plan on uh, canceling your policy with your current provider, switching, um, trying to get a lower rate. It doesn't matter. We think everyone should do it because rates are constantly changing and. You know, if anything, um, because, given the unpredictability of this moment, we can't say with certainty, you know, um, just how low you can go, um, depending on the state you live in, depending on your driver behavior, uh, depending on just how much or how little coverage you uh, want to, you know, rack up in your policy. Um, it really is a personal decision. And I'll tell you what, it, you know, if you don't see yourself really changing that much in your driving habits in the next six months, you really got to start doing some soul searching and think about whether you qualify for a lower rate somewhere else. All right, Nick, we're going to transition into your top 10 list of best insurance companies. I'm speaking with Nick Dean. He's Insurify's content specialist. And we're talking now about their uh, study about the top 10 insurance companies. So we'll start at number 10. I Actually, it's, that's, it's Safeco. And I've had them in the past, and they were fine. Uh, and actually, I have them for my homeowner's insurance. But even bundling between the home and the auto, it's not saving me any money. So uh, how good or I mean, why do you have uh, Safeco at number 10? Well, listen, this uh, study of ours, you know, we release it every And the, the ranking sort of methodology we have is actually by a composite score. So we take into account overall uh, customer ratings, user-generated ratings on our site, we also look into an insurance company's overall financial strength, what kinds of specific proprietary uh, programs they offer, 
And, you know, we, we look at that in context of, an, uh, of a company's overall reputation. So something like Safeco, right, overall you have um, excellent financial strength, right? It's owned by Liberty Mutual. And, um, you know, we've found, you know, based on feedback from policyholders that, you know, overall sometime drivers and uh, clean record drivers um, really are able to find uh, affordable uh, rates with Safeco. Now, you know, again, it's, it's, it's apples and oranges sometimes. You can't always compare your flight to someone else's or your insurance profile or risk profile to someone else's. But at the end of the day, we found that Safeco, you know, cracked the top 10 because it got um, pretty good notices from policyholders. And uh, notably, they were one of those companies that offered some sort of payment flexibility and rebate program uh, back in, in the early spring, in the early days of the pandemic. You have Allstate listed at number nine, but you then have insurance owned by Allstate at number three. So how did that work out when you have basically uh, Allstate's uh, online company rating so much higher than the than Allstate? Well, that's the power of branding, actually, my friend. No, but listen, uh, you know, Allstate, you know, on parallel financial strength, obviously, you know, it's, it's uh, one, one, of the, one of the big guys here in the industry. Um, but it also serves uh, more customers. It has a it has a wider sort of uh, customer map um, than does its subsidiary Allstate there, uh, insurance rather. So, uh, you know, Allstate, uh, if you have a policy through them in particular, um, you know, it gets maybe middling customer feedback, but um, they did offer um, a 15% payback program April through June, again, in the early days of the pandemic sort of on a more of a moratorium now, obviously, like I mentioned before. But, you know, we also, we, we, we weigh uh, uh, financial strength, uh, you know, in, in, these, in these rankings. And, um, you know, something like Allstate, which has its own proprietary telematics program that rewards safe drivers, something that prides itself on cross-selling and offering bundling discounts, um, you know, that's overall a reliable choice. Um, you know, insurance on the other hand, it's an all-state company, but, um, you know, from a branding and marketing perspective, it's uh, much more accessible to a younger contingent of drivers. Young adults um, who really maybe came of age um, online are starting to, um, who are now starting to come into their own as policyholders, uh, now probably uh, really enjoy insurance's uh, uh, easy online claims process, um, you know, designed with, you know, native web users in mind. And, um, yeah, so at the end of the day, you know, we see the insurance landscape right now going digital. It's all digital all the time. And that's what we think uh, this industry needs to really adjust to, especially especially now when uh, so many elements of, um, you know, online fintech operations have to be happening online. Insurance was always at the forefront of that. That's why they rank a little bit higher in our overall ranking. And full disclosure, I have insurance, and I've had them for years and years, and they have been, for at least for me, the least expensive option that I can find so far over just uh, over you know the other big ones that I see on the list that we'll get to in just a second. Uh, you have at number eight, auto owners insurance. That's not a name that's very familiar to me, as is number four, New Jersey manufacturers insurance. <laughs> I've never heard of the New Jersey manufacturers insurance group. Well, you know, funnily enough, uh, you, you probably haven't because it's, uh, you know, over here in New Jersey, over on the East Coast. And, you know, we try to, um, you know, account for the different types of models that uh, different policyholders might prefer when it comes to their, you know, uh, 
overall insurance needs and especially the customer service experience. Auto owners is unique in that it works solely through independent agents. So for those who really prefer that agent, uh, you know, to consumer sort of model of buying one's insurance, auto owners is really an industry leader there. Um, you know, and like I, you know, it, it's sort of a pivot from what I just said before, but everything going digital. I think that's the way of the future in terms of this industry. But specific drivers, policyholders might just prefer the agent you touch, you know, um, the, the one sort of roadblock to um, having uh, drivers across the country uh, compare and buy policies online is that at the end of the day, they really do just want to talk to an agent. And that's totally understandable. And there are still lots of um, insurers out there who are operating this agency model who, uh, you know, can provide an excellent customer service uh, to their policyholders. Now, something like New Jersey manufacturers in their hand, that's a hyper-regional sort of uh, company, but it really, uh, it has a major foothold uh, over New Jersey and Pennsylvania in the insurance space. Um, it, it's known for its really good customer service track record and uh, offers lots of different uh, types of, of policies, lots of different types of products. So if you're in over in New Jersey <laughs> and you need both your motorcycle and your boat and your ATV and your car insured, you can probably find a, an enviable, um, excellent package deal there. Um, you know, is that the model for, uh, you know, the future, these hyper-targeted, hyper-local insurance companies? I don't see it, but for someone who prefers the regional touch, that's probably the choice for them. I'm speaking with Nick Dean. He is Insurify's content specialist. We're talking about the top 10 insurance companies on one of their latest studies. You can find uh, find it. A uh, link to this uh, this uh, study is also at the bottom of this um, of our description, as well as in Insurify.com. Number seven is a company we all grow to know and love their commercials or hate their commercials, but we hear about them all the time. It's Geico, and you would think that it would be maybe higher in the top five, but they're resting there at number seven. Yeah, I mean, listen, Geico is a behemoth, right? Uh, it has a you know billion dollar marketing spend, and you know we. we uh, <laughs> We all, uh, television sets across America, anyone who's watching television, listening to the radio, uh, we are at the receiving end of that. And listen, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a great insurance provider if you are really looking for uh, low rates. Um, you know, with such a massive consumer base, with such a name for itself, it's one of those providers that actually can, you know, at the end of the day, afford to um, offer lower rates, especially and even to drivers who don't have stellar records, those with poor credit, those who are, you know, not excellent drivers at the end of the day. Um, they are, you know, they have such a foothold in the industry, they can actually afford to, uh, you know, provide such low rates. And that's what's really uh, kept them alive and such a dominant, uh, you know, sort of presence in, uh, in, in the, uh, the PNC uh, space. So, you know, um, at the end of the day, you know, what we do try to encourage is that you're not only going off of insurance providers that you see on television. You know, they've really done an excellent job of making a name for themselves and cultivating a brand image that goes beyond just the specifics of what they do, you know, insure your property. Um, if that is something, you know, that resonates uh, with a lot of drivers out there, they're free to, you know, compare rates with Geico. We would recommend that you, uh, you know, get a rate from Geico, get a quote, and then, you know, actually compare that rate to the, you know, dozens of others that might be able to find on a quote comparison site. Yeah, because you, you, everybody knows 
the you know the Geico Gecko and the Caveman and the I mean they're just they're, uh, <laughs> they're just on and on and on. <laughs> you have two other companies here in the middle of the list at number six and number five. You have American Family Insurance at number six and Amica at number five. They they're out there. We hear about them, but they just seem kind of boring. <laughs> and that's the thing, you know. I mean, at the end of the day, what are the material differences between what companies are offering? The answer, spoiler alert, is actually not much. It really is a matter for a lot of, you know, these companies. It is a matter of branding. It is a matter of marketing. It's a matter of, you know, are they adopting an agency model? Are they only working through independent or captive agents? Are they offering an online quoting experience? Are they on a quote comparison site like Insurify? Um, you know, those nuances and how they're actually selling to the consumer are, are important. Uh, when we think about how you know drivers can ultimately take control of their of their finances and how they're able to take control over their insurance decisions, but maybe they don't have that edge in terms of you know uh, marketing spend or being able to uh, generate lots of revenue through uh, campaigns like that. But look, you know, American Family, you know, known for living up to its name and uh, you know really uh, ensuring American families across the country. Um, offering, uh, you know, enviable and uh, discounts to, uh, you know, those with many drivers in the policy. Um, we identify it as the best for college students um, because families are eligible for, you know, a, a pretty significant uh, stu good student discount or student away at school discount. You know, Amica's the same sort of uh, thing. It's an interesting model in that it's a mutual insurance company, so it actually can afford to offer much lower rates. Um, it's not, uh, you know, it, the pooling of risk means that um, all the policyholders technically own the company, and as a result, uh, you know, we, there's not the uh, fluctuations of, of stock market uh, as much to worry about in that case. And your top two companies are pretty different. You have the Hartford at number two. They are in all 50 states, and I, I think of them, I think, more of uh, retirement uh, a, a company more for retirement. And then at number one, you have the shelter insurance company, which is a smaller company, and they're only in about 15 states at number one. So it's interesting to see these two different companies doing different things on the top of your list. Absolutely. And I think that just speaks to the fact that when you aggregate all of this data, when you look at claim satisfaction, customer satisfaction, um, you know, financial strength, uh, you know, various industry awards or um, recognitions. Um, it all amounts to a sort of interesting, you know, uh, sort of potpourri of companies here. Um, like I said before, at the end of the day, what you're really getting is, is uh, you know, liability and or property and asset protection for, you know, for you and, and your family and for your car. But, you know, Different drivers respond differently to all sorts of different programs or models of uh, car insurance. So like you said, the Hartford, um, basically synonymous with, you know, our good friends at AARP. Um, it's well known uh, to, you know, offer, um, you know, excellent discounts and, and programs for, um, you know, uh, drivers in their more advanced years. And then something like Shelter, which, you know, is a little under the radar, but that's because it is, um, you know, more of a regional company. It's more, it has uh, its presence more in the Midwest and the South. So, um, you know, overall, that's a population of policyholders who are, uh, you know, pretty happy with um, the claim service, customer service, and um, it, it's gotten good uh, notices. Um, but like, you know, like I said before, that sort of model of um, insurance, whether or not that's, uh, 
you know, uh, you know, available in your state is not going to be for everyone. Some people want to buy completely online. They just want an experience that um, allows them to take their insurance uh, decisions into their own hands. Some people want an agent to hold their hand and walk them through every single step of the process. And that is valid so long as you're understanding, um, you know, the costs that come with that sort of agency model and the costs that come with, you know, your, um, you know, uh, demographic and risk profile. And finally, there's there's a bunch of companies that are online that do what Insurify does. I have a uh, insurance guy who shops different uh, insurance companies and for both home and, and auto and that sort of thing. And they're always looking at my policies and every year just taking a, a, disc, a look at any discounts that might be available. So what special does Insurify have that maybe the other places don't that could offer me maybe a cheaper policy because they're all doing you know almost the same thing? Well, I'm so glad you asked, really. <laughs> Insurify, you know, at this point is the uh, most rated and top rated insurance comparison platform in the country, right? We've only been around for a little bit, but when you go on Insurify to compare um, car, home, or life insurance quotes, what you're really actually comparing are real bindable quotes from real insurance companies. And uh, what separates us from a lot of the pack is that if you just simply go online and click on the first link that tells you you can compare car insurance quotes online, for example, chances are that's a lead generation site that's purely out to get your data and to sell it to the highest bidder. Now, on the other side of you know that that coin, you know you might have um, you know platforms that promise you um, you know accurate quotes, but are really estimates based on you know industry data they might have in their databases or just their best guesses. At Insurify, we allow you to compare car insurance companies, national, regional, small, large, um, and compare all of these uh, companies at scale. In just a few minutes, you can generate a quote list that matches your driver behavior, your demographic information, your risk profile. You are only required to share the information that's most directly relevant to how insurers set rates. And from there, you can compare quotes and coverage levels and even unlock discounts based specifically on your background and your needs. So uh, we don't share information. We don't sell information. We're simply in the business of saving people money. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, that's what we're really about, and that's what a lot of people need right now. You're not kidding. I'll, uh, I'm going to give it a shot and see uh, if I <laughs> come up with a better uh, quote than, than what I have with eShirts because – I'm telling you, $1,800 a year is a lot of money for two cars that are already paid for and uh, and that I'm really not driving that much. You know, I tell everyone just, you know, regardless if you really need to save money or not, just do it. It takes a few minutes. You're going to be surprised at what you find. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Nick Dean, for all of your insight, uh, your expertise, and for the studies that I'll have the links for here in the description of the show. Your Insurify's content specialist, Nick, thank you so much for being here on the show today. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. And again, you can find those articles uh, on the description of this show. I think the problem with the cost of my insurance is that I carry uninsured motorist insurance. It's an added protection if someone crashes into me and they don't have insurance, and that's a real problem. There are a lot of people out there driving without insurance. 
And I, I think you're covered. I should have asked Nick about this, but I think you're covered by having collision coverage. But the insu- uninsured motorist gives a bit more security and coverage in case that happens. And, and look, in this day and age, when there are people out there driving without insurance and, and without registering their cars because they think it's too expensive and typically they won't register their car the, uh, when they don't have insurance, and so you'll see them; uh, those two issues go hand in hand. I, I, I th- and they're bent generally being not responsible. The extra couple of hundred dollars a year for me is probably worth it. I mean, there, there, there are times in my life when I would have gladly paid a few more dollars uh, before something bad happened to avoid suffering the more expensive consequences of that bad thing happening. Actually, one of the times where I did spend the dollars ahead of time was this trip in Mexico uh, when my wife and I were on a cruise and we got off the ship there in Cabo, rent a car in this guy, because uh, that's one of the things we would do is typically rent a car and then explore these different places where the tourists usually don't go. And I rented a car. And this guy was just insistent that I get their car insurance. And, and usually mine's covered. I have an extra separate policy with American Express that covers uh, auto insurance. So it's a, it's not just the card that you charge it with and you get that added policy. It's actually an added policy on top of that that I pay for anytime I get a rental car. And it pretty much covers everything. Anyway, this guy was just going on and on and on. It was, I don't know, 25 or $30. I said, fine. Give okay. Just go ahead and give me all the coverage you got, everything you got. Just just lay it on me. Well, long story short, something bad happened, and uh, the car was broken, and I did. I could just walk away. I threw him the keys, and he goes, "Where's the car?" And I said, "It's out there somewhere. You'll have to go find it." I kind of told him where it was, kind of on a map. Uh, but that was actually one of the good times when I paid for some insurance that it came in very very handy. Um, you know, but for me, it's a risk reward thing. You know, you you take calculated risks. I try to minimize my risk anyway. Uh, if you want to read more about those two articles, you can read those studies on the Insurify website. And also it's posted on the description of the show. So thanks again for uh, being here. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you want to get a hold of the show, driving your crazy podcast at gmail.com or 303-832-0217 is the phone number if you want to leave me a voicemail. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Jason Luber, the traffic guy. Be safe. And as always, happy motoring.